The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win. You need an edge. You'll find that edge in the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom. Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room. Now, here is your host, Kelly Riggs. And great to have you on board. Welcome to the Business Locker Room. I'm Kelly Riggs. I am your host. It is the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business beginning today. Really excited about what we've got on tap today. Our guest who will join us in just a few moments, the Millennial CEO. You may recall a couple of weeks ago, I talked with Robbie Riggs, who, yes, is my son, works as a consultant in Boston. Of course, he's a millennial as well. And we got some insight into that aspect of business. We'll do more of that today. But uh, Daniel Newman, our guest, has a whole lot of background that we want to look at, a couple of books that he has written and a new book coming out. We'll talk much more about that. Let me tell you more about the show. I I, got to tell you, if, if you're in business and you're a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, an executive, an entrepreneur, any of those things and you have an interest in sales, marketing, leadership, social media strategy, any of those things, this is the place to be. And let me encourage you to go out and talk to people about the show. Uh, The guest today is a great example, but every week, really fantastic guests, great content, things that you can take back and use and make a difference in what you're doing. And of course, almost every single week, we do the X's and O's segment here in the business locker room with Miles Austin. He'll join us at 40 after and we will talk about uh, some great new – I'm really excited. We're going to talk about uh, three products from a company called TechSmith, Snagit, Camtasia, and Jing. And we'll get Miles to uh, unlock all the mystery behind all of those things and the way that they're used and how they can benefit your business. Of course, as always, the X's and O's segment is brought to you by 4D Sales. And we'll talk a little bit more about them as well. Great shows coming down the line In fact, we're doing some future planning. It looks like the month of April, we're going to dedicate to nothing but sales. We're going to look at selling from a variety of perspectives, get a lot of sales experts uh, in the show. Uh, May, I'm looking at possibly dedicating that entire month to leadership. So those are the two things that we hear a lot about, sales, leadership, of course, marketing and social media and those kinds of things. But we got that coming. Next week, T.A. McCann will join us from Rival IQ. And I'm excited to have T.A. back. He was on the show last year, middle of the year. And not only uh, was he on the show, he told us a lot about his company, Rival IQ, and the sort of digital marketing uh, details that you can get from it. But now he's working with the NFL, actually has one of the NFL teams as a client. Excited to talk to him about that. Speaking of the NFL, 
in two weeks, Bruce Feldman will join us. And Bruce Feldman, uh, in, in sports media, has written a couple of books, the most recent of which I just devoured over the holidays. It's called The QB, The Making of Modern Quarterbacks. Absolutely phenomenal book. Loved it. If you're in sports and business and you're a sports fan, you're going to love that book. He's on with us in a couple of weeks. We'll talk about that and an article that he wrote uh, that was fantastic as well, just taking pieces and parts of that book and turning it into a, a blog post for Inc. Magazine called Eight Leadership Lessons from Quarterback Gurus. So I, I'm really excited about that in a couple of weeks and much more to come. By the way, big changes here in the business locker room. been telling you about this for the past couple of weeks. We are now Biz Locker Radio. Dot com, And if you want to find us, that's where you go, bizlockerradio.com. You can always send me an email, kelly at bizlockerroom.com. And, of course, follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. Today's show, we're going to talk leadership and business strategy uh, from a millennial perspective. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Daniel Newman is our guest. He's the author of Amazon best-selling book, The Millennial CEO. He's also written a new book called The New Rules of Customer Engagement. Six Trends That Reinvent the Way We Sell, and a brand new book that we'll talk more about. In fact, we'll have Daniel back on when it, when it releases. But uh, Daniel's got quite the background, uh, became a CEO at the age of 28. He is an MBA, he's an adjunct business professor, and uh, has, uh, is the founder of a brand new company called Broadsuite, and I'm excited to hear more about that as well. Daniel, it is great to have you in the business locker room. Thanks for joining us. Kelly, thanks for having me. I'm very excited well, you- to be here. It sounds like... Sounds like a great show. Well, I appreciate that. It, I've had a lot of fun doing it, and I have met a lot of passionate and and certainly high-performance individuals, much like yourself. You know, the thing I like most about you, we haven't met, but we've, we've traded messages and those kinds of things, but the thing I like most about you is we share the same haircut. <laughs> and so by that, we, you're tell, you're telling by that I mean we both comb our hair with a towel. <laughs> I love that. I was say you're not a big uh, Procter & Gamble customer. You're not buying a lot of no, products. No, not at all. Uh, D- Daniel Newman, folks, for those of you listening in, uh, whether you're live or you're listening at the, on the podcast uh, later, uh, Daniel is a much younger version of me, but he does have the same haircut. Uh, you know, you've got quite the background. You, you became a CEO at the age of 28, and then you wrote a book called The Millennial CEO. Tell me a little bit about that journey and what it, what it was like to become a CEO that young. Well, maybe the journey actually explains the haircut a little bit. So the book is, is a little different. You know, there's a lot of experts out there that are writing books about millennials. There's a lot of research. In fact, I, I posted a very research-latent article just today on LinkedIn about uh, tips for engaging millennials. My perspective is a little different, though. See, I am a millennial. I was born in 1981, which puts me on that far end spectrum of the oldest but I truly am one. So when I decided to write this book and I worked with a small publisher, uh, the, the thought process was instead of writing another book of research about what they think millennials want, it was sharing your experience as a millennial in a role of leadership and then tying together the, the business, the social, and then some of the operating philosophies of someone that's younger that's dealing with, say, older employees or someone that's younger that's dealing with having to manage a eight-figure P&L or, you know, managing healthcare plans and all kinds of things. And the other part, Kelly, was just managing the surprise that people had when they found out you were the boss. Right. So, 
so my journey, you know, started, it was a little bit different. Uh, and I think what makes it sort of fascinating was probably the biggest uh, unexpected change in my life may be the reason that I became uh, a CEO at such a young age. And that was when I was just 20 years old, I became a father. Um, and I'd like to say, you know, everybody wants to look back and say that they planned everything in their life, but that wasn't planned. Um, I've, I've been married to um, my wife, Lisa, for 13 years, and I have a 13-year-old, and mm. I'm 33 now. And one of the things that that uh, experience created for me was that sense of urgency. So when I was just 20, I was finishing up college, working full-time, and I got into sales. I know this show talks a lot about sales. And one of the first things I determined in my early 20s, Kelly, was that I loved the ability to control my income. It was something I was so passionate about. It was the idea of going into sales. I went into a commission job where basically every day I woke up and I could write my own paycheck. And what that really meant for me was over the eight years from the time I was 20 to the time I was 28 was I was on a path where I wasn't going to take no for an answer. I wasn't going to accept mediocrity and I wasn't going to accept my circumstances, say, being a young father having limited financial resources, having a limited time in the field to prevent me from achieving my goal. So I did become a CEO of a company, you know, that was about $30 million company when I was uh, 28. But along the way, I, I had opportunities to be senior vice president of sales for uh, startup tech companies, uh, director of sales for established platform technology companies, and regional sales managers for other companies. So I did a lot along the way. But every step I took was only a step to what was next for me. And that's really kind of how I ended up as a, I guess you'd say a millennial CEO of a company that, I, that you know, is more than just a one or two person operation. Daniel Newman is our guest and you can find him online at broadsuite.com, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Follow him on Twitter at danielnewman.com. It's N-E-W-M-A-N. Daniel, the, the thing with millennials is uh, they get a bad rap in some instances, but like any generalization, sometimes it's deserved. You know, to me, you sound like a guy who's driven, who's motivated. You talk about a sense of urgency. And it really doesn't matter to me if, if you're a millennial or how old you are. I mean, that those are necessary pieces and parts of someone who ultimately is successful as they have that drive and determination. But some people believe today that it's harder to find millennials who are those kinds of people? Is that a fair criticism? Well, I think every generation before has been, uh, has been criticized by their elders. I think that's, you know, been universal. I think Gen X, I think the boomers. Um, but what's happened is we have, we have short memories. And as we get older, we get more and more set on the way we do things as being right and the way others doing things as being wrong. I've written on this, again, not from a research standpoint as much as from a perspective, that there is certain truths to some of the entitlement or maybe uh, they use the word lazy a lot, but I also like putting that into perspective for a potential employer or a company who's trying to figure out how to better engage a millennial. And I say, just because there's things done a certain way for a long time, that doesn't mean they're the right way, right? You've probably seen the meme before that says the most dangerous phrase in business is it's always been done that way. Right. And I think the millennials kind of represent a little bit of a change. So we're the first generation that really grew up from the time we started uh, school being connected to technology. From the time we were in high school, we were connected to the Internet. When we were in college, you know, we were starting to deal with social media and sharing economy applications like Napster and 
and Facebook, right? And, uh, you know, as we came into the world, we see things a little bit differently. And what I mean by that, so my father was an entrepreneur, a very successful one, someone I admire very much, hard-nosed entrepreneur, uh, didn't go to college, built a, a trucking company from the ground up and had a ton of success, uh, sold his business in his 40s. His philosophy was he knew how to do everything in the operation. He could fix the trucks, drive the trucks. He knew how to operate, pay the bills. There was not a thing he didn't know, and that's very admirable. And that's something I've grown up thinking is, is important as a business owner. But having said that, from a technology standpoint, millennials, a lot of them come in and say, well, why are we doing things the hard way? Why are we taking all these extra steps? A lot of millennials have maybe a vision for, say, how technology can short-circuit a process that just seems uh, monotonous or unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things that I'd like to say is, yes, some of the stereotypes may be true, but I don't know if it's so much lazy in all cases as it is thinking differently. And we all know our favorite brand on the planet, Apple, has the slogan, Think Differently, and we're all willing to follow them. So why are we so resistant to connecting and following millennials? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, the reality is, as people, regardless of what generation we are, we, we typically deal with change much more according to personality style, I suspect, than anything else. Yeah, and, and, I, and you mentioned coming in, and becoming a CEO at 28 and suddenly people older than you are working for you and they're looking at you and wondering how you earned the right to be the boss. And I, I believe that that probably is much more difficult even than trying to adapt to the, if you're a millennial, to the to the baby boomer boss. Was that your experience? I mean, was it, was it a real struggle to take on the reins of leader? Oh, yeah. That was a challenge. And even today at 33 and having you know, been in leadership positions in several companies now, I still tend to end up managing people that are senior to me because I'm still not that old. Uh, I had the chance to actually go on a Huffington Post Live. They had a, a segment online, live online, about my older boss, and we had this very debate. And the bottom line, though, is you here on the Abyss Locker show, I'm sure you guys talk a lot about traditional, some of the servant leadership mm-hmm. and things that are very important when it comes to that. And I found... Actually, the same thing to be to be true, Kelly, is I've found that the problem most millennials and younger managers have, and I don't think this is limited to millennials, I just think it's been a problem with younger managers, is they're so excited about showing what they know. They're so excited to walk into the room and make sure everyone knows they're the boss, that they really forget that being a leader, or they really forget that earning the trust and commitment of their employees comes down to listening first showing empathy first, showing a willingness to hear how things have been done before insisting on implementing change. Much like the millennials, we've consistently said we've got a different way, a better way, and you should like that. Well, same with the leadership. Like, your ideas may be great, but if you haven't earned that trust first, they're not even going to hear you out. And that's kind of the problem with communication in, in, in so many businesses is, we just want to come in and immediately put our fists down and, and rule. And when we're young and excitable, we do that. So I had to learn the hard way. I mean, I, that was probably my biggest failure. And I talk about that in the Millennium CEO, the book was along the way I, I got some definite, I got shut down a few times as I tried to move up the ladder because yes, I was successful in terms of my sales, my revenue numbers were good, or yes, I was successful in terms of knocking down all the hurdles to hit goals but I wasn't always the most um, diplomatic. And while there's a certain time and a place to be diplomatic, when it comes to leadership, that's one of those times and places. 
you need to sort of have that seat first to understand and to be understood, which I think that's the fifth rule of the seven habits. And that's yes. one of the books I, I tend to look back on from time to time. Yeah, that's such great input, Daniel. You know, and, and those things, when you talk about trust and communication and listening, those kinds of things, that transcends the whole millennial debate, the whole generational debate. That's just a human interaction thing. What you're saying is you earn the right to be a leader and it doesn't matter whom you're leading. It matters more what kind of leader you are and whether or not you earn that trust. Yeah, when you're short-circuiting experience, because, you know, experience is very important. And a lot of people don't trust you if you don't have those stripes. We talk about that a lot. So that's one of the problems when you're a young leader. So to short circuit that, the first thing, probably more important than ever, is actually stopping and saying, I want to hear what you think, team. I'm interested in your opinion. What's working for you guys? I don't want to just come in here and and blow up everything you've done. I want to spend a little time here. I want to evaluate. I want to listen. I want to take your input. And then I'm going to ask you guys to sort of trust me as I start to try to find ways to make it better. And I think a lot of young leaders and, and older leaders fail at this. And the thing they could do better as a younger leader is you actually have to kind of do it more. And what I mean by that is the older leader can almost get away with a little less patience because their experience gives them a certain credibility that younger leader doesn't get. Yeah, I, I can recall I can recall having a conversation with a, a gentleman as, as I was out on a business trip and I met him at dinner and we were having a conversation and uh, he was uh, finishing up his PhD, defending his thesis and said he'd been hired uh, by a, a research company in Boston to take on a leadership role and knowing what I did for a living, he asked me, do you have any advice for me? And I said, yes, ask a lot of questions, don't tell everybody everything you know, go find out what you need to know before you begin telling people what to do. And that's exactly what I hear you saying. So I suspect that was pretty good advice. Sounds like you nailed it. But again, this really isn't rocket science. That's what's so funny about so many of the things we do. Right. When it comes to sales, everyone's coming to you and going, they want some magic answer. I always say, like, listen to people, pay attention, be there with them. You know, and we all do, you know, technology is really disruptive to this. How many of us, go out in meetings now and we sit there and we stare at our devices, even on a first or second sales call. It's amazing how many of us can't actually even be in the moment. And it's kind of the same thing going on with leadership. You know, we need to be in the moment with our teams. We need to listen to our teams, support them. And these are reminders, not only I'm I'm suggesting to the audience, this is almost a reminder to myself because there's times I catch myself and I have to stop and I have to say, oh my gosh, I need to follow and heed my own advice is I'm being a little bit too much of a bull in a china shop and it's because I'm passionate and it's because I'm entrepreneurial. But when you want your teams to perform highly, they have to feel engaged. Yeah, which that's such great advice and probably has a lot to do with why you've been successful. Our guest is Daniel Newman. He is the millennial CEO. That was the title of his book. You can find him on Twitter at Daniel Newman. He's written a couple of other books as well. We're going to come back on the other side of our first break and we'll talk about the second one, The New Rules of Customer Engagement. And we'll let uh, Daniel introduce his third book uh, that is getting ready to release. Thanks for joining us here on Biz Locker Radio. Great to have you on board. Stay with us on the other side. More from Daniel Newman. You're listening to BizLocker Radio on Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, 
Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. Welcome back to Business Locker Room. BizLockerRadio.com is where you can find us. And you can always follow me on Twitter, at Kelly Riggs. By the way, do what I do. Listen to the show live, yes, but grab it as a podcast as well. Go to iTunes, find the podcast. You can search under Business Locker Room, Kelly Riggs. You can add that. You'll find us, download it, put it on your favorite mobile device, and then you can listen to it in the car. So much great content from the guests we have each week. Sometimes it's just good to be sitting at home after the workday and taking some notes, uh, but there is a lot of great things. And uh, by the way, lots of things coming. We're going to be giving away a bunch of books from some of our guests in the past, guys like John Spence and Jeff Shore and Josh Miles and others who have written great books. Uh, Jill Conrath, Agile Selling, one of the books that we're going to give away. And we're going to give those books away to people who go on to iTunes and rate and review the show. Folks, if you like us or if you don't like us, really don't care. Just go online, tell us what you think. And always, if you've got suggestion or advice for us, you can find me, Kelly, at bizlockerroom.com. Excited to announce seven coaches, and uh, I expect an eighth shortly, will be joining us here in the business locker room, providing content on a regular basis. And I'll tell you more about that in the latter part of the show. We're rejoined by Daniel Newman, who is our guest. And by the way, I've been giving you his Twitter handle completely wrong. So let's try it again. Daniel Newman, N-E-W-M-A-N. But you need to add U-V at the end. Daniel Newman, U-V. What's the U-V stand for, by the way? Well, that millennial CEO role I took when I was 28 was with a company called United Visual. And ah. I set up my Twitter account just uh, five, six years ago. I put that on the end because that way everybody knew uh, about the company I was a part of. But also, at the time, the actual Daniel Newman account was already taken, so I needed to get a little bit more creative. And, and it's the nephew of the famous Paul Newman, and he's an <laughs> actor of sorts. So, And he probably has hair, right? He has more hair, and he's <laughs> apparently more popular than me, but... Not by that much, so I'm going to well, keep chasing him. Yeah, you got to make that. Find me on Twitter. That's you got to make that change. When you surpass the nephew of Paul Newman, you, you've done very, very well. We've mentioned that uh, you wrote the book, The Millennial CEO. Really encourage people to get that, and you've had some really great insight of leadership from a millennial perspective. But you wrote a second book called The New Rules 
of customer engagement. What prompted that book? And tell us a little bit about it. So as I came to the end of my tenure at uh, United Visual, which is the company I told you guys about, that I, uh, I was trying to figure out what my next move was. And I came from a family of entrepreneurs. And one of my passions has really always been sales. Right. It, I told you guys that earlier in the in the journey about how selling and the ability to kind of write your own ticket was really what impassioned me. Right. But one of the things I saw that was going on was the way sales are being done were changing. It's changing so dramatically, Kelly. It's changing from something that was really done face to face, hand to hand, all the time, to something where the internet, where search, where social media was having such a large impact on the sale that I wanted to figure out and learn a little bit more about it. And so in that process, I started doing the research about how people buy, about the new customer journey, about the role of social media, the role of customer experience, how you know creativity was impacting a sale, the way technology, for instance, is being sold through the enterprise, and all the little changes that were going on. And what I discovered was there was about six notable new rules and some of them are brand new and some of them are iterations of old rules, but nevertheless, they were all changes that businesses and sales professionals needed to take notice of. And so what I wanted to do was write a book that kind of closed the gap between the technical marketing and social media stuff and then the frontline selling that so many people are still interested in to say, here's how you can do it. Here's how you can win on the internet and win face-to-face and build sales in a world where the rules of engagement are just a little bit different. And it became a book and it was it's actually done really, really well. It's been a you know, a great business card in terms of developing my agency, but it's also been a tremendous uh, a tremendous tool for a lot of readers. I get a lot of feedback every day that it's helped their businesses. Uh, you, you mentioned new rules of customer engagement. You say some are iterations of old rules and some are new. Give me an example of one that's new and different as it, as it impacts the new marketplace as you see it changing. What are one of the new rules of customer engagement? Well, I think the, probably the most important one is that your customer, the, the first part of the sale starts online. You are no longer the trusted advisor in the capacity that you were once the trusted advisor. In the past, you know, and this goes back to even when I was in sales back in the early 2000s, my clients would call me first. They wanted to know about a new technology. I was the first person they called. Today, and this is based on Nielsen and Forrester's research, it's anywhere from 70 to 90% of a sale is complete before a vendor is ever even engaged in the sales process. So what that means is that basically... Uh, buyers are going online, they're doing research through Google, they're looking at their social networks and talking to people. And that's not just social like going on Facebook, that could be a LinkedIn relationship. They're asking other buyers their opinions, they're looking for content online, they're reading user-generated content. They want to know what other people are saying about a product and then potentially about a provider long before they'll ever pick up the phone and call you. So if you're actually lucky enough to get that call, the entire situation has changed where we used to have some time. There was that kind of courting process that a salesperson would have with a new client. And today that, that patience isn't there anymore. The time and the expediency by which we need to build trust is so much shorter than it once was. It doesn't mean it's not relevant. I still believe it's highly relevant. And, and everything I've seen is, is that trust is still super important in terms of someone deciding who they buy from. But 
the opportunities to build that trust is much shorter and potentially you'll never actually get to give your own pitch. Meaning, or you'll never actually verbally, you'll never be standing across from that customer. So it comes down to what are you saying online? How are you being found, seen, and heard on the web through content, through podcasts, through radio shows, through blog posts, through articles and web content? And how are you doing all those things where you're telling your story so that when companies are out there trying to find what it is you have to offer, there's enough out there for them to feel comfortable to bring you into the process? Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. And basically what you're saying is we, we earn our credibility differently than we did before the digital revolution. And, and you have to earn that credibility very, very quickly. You, it places, I would suspect, Daniel, a tremendous amount of emphasis on being responsive, how quickly you can respond to people and then how visible you are in the, in the digital marketplace. Yeah, there's just no way anymore for a business to really get away without a digital presence. Now, again, everything has exceptions. I'm certain that there's farmer's markets or super specialized companies that have all word of mouth. Sure. But by and large, I mean, just look at the platform that you've built for your organization, Kelly. It's content, social, it's expertise and leadership. And the majority of people, by the time you've picked up the phone and talked to them, know quite a bit about you or what you have to offer because you've put that all online. Yeah, and more importantly, they've also formed an opinion of me based on what they hear. So it, it, it's almost like that, that, that digital marketing is part of my product. It's building that credibility for who I am or I am not. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I say it's, it's like shaking hands on a digital platform. And right. we build relationships, we build trust, we make a lot of decisions about people before we ever have the chance to break bread with them. And in the past, like I said, it was very unlikely you would make a buying decision or a hiring decision without meeting somebody. Um, I have partners in my business. One of my, uh, my chief digital strategists for our media group, a gentleman by the name of Brian Fanzo, he's a great guy. I never met him face-to-face. We did video, but we never actually met before I brought him into the organization. And that's something that, you know, it's hard to imagine 10 years ago. Right. It is. <laughs> Well, when you, when you think about what you're doing now, you, you've made the transition. You're the founder of BroadSuite. I know that that's a specialty marketing firm, and, and clearly it has everything to do with, with digital. So tell us a little bit about BroadSuite and what your emphasis is in that particular company. Yeah, so it's actually a, it's an evolution in progress. But, you know, I wrote the book, and the book became the platform for the business. And my goal was to work with companies that were similar to the one that I had left, um, in helping them build a better and stronger digital strategy. This is what I was really passionate about, and, and, and I knew I always wanted to own something. So that's really what moved me in that direction. The, the purpose is, you know, I use that phrase to be found, seen, and heard online. And most brands, most small companies, and I say small, anywhere from a few million to a few hundred million, really have no idea how to accomplish this. And building out marketing departments has always been more of a cost center than a revenue center, but there's a whole new set of of, of KPIs for marketing ROI and outsourcing and strategic partnerships are a great way for a small and mid-sized company to accomplish a full marketing suite without having to make some of those massive uh, personnel investments. So it became a, a really, really strategic partnership and I immediately was able to align with some great companies. In the last few years, it's evolved uh, today. Yes, we do have that marketing agency side and it's growing. Uh, we work with about 35 companies today. Um, in that range, mostly tech, B2B, but, you know, 
we do have a, a plethora of other fields, medical, uh, pharma, uh, even a little bit of uh, retail and commercial that we work with. But we've also developed into a media hub. So MillennialCEO.com is actually a media center. We have our own podcast. We have multiple Twitter chats, hangouts on air, sponsored blog content. We work with some great brands, brands like IBM, Dell, uh, SAP, Oracle that are syndicating our content that have sponsorship partnerships with us. So we've actually kind of expanded into a few different capacities of business. But what we believe is, like you, that content is at the center of our brand story. So we've got our kind of content hub, which is where we're telling our story constantly online, whether it's at broadsuite.com or millennialceo.com. And then we have the client side where we try to help them replicate what we're doing or what you're doing to put their story online, to build that relationship, to look people in the digital eyes, create relationships where by the time they get us on the phone, they're like, you know, Kelly or Dan, it's great to meet you. I feel like I know you. I always say that. Feel like I know you. If they call me up and, and tell me they feel like they know me, I know I've done my job in terms of telling my story online. Well, let's let's direct our listeners over to your podcast. Uh, I, if you go to millennialceo.com, you can find it. You call it uh, hashtag Smack Talk Live, SMAC, which is Social Mobile Analytics and Cloud. You and a, and a gentleman by the name of Brian Fanzo host that. Do you guys do that on a weekly basis? Yes, we do. So we launched that not too long ago. Um, we're about seven episodes in, if you count that first uh, episode we did, and it was really inspired. We've been doing a lot of work for some of these uh, large uh, global technology brands talking about social and its role with the other emerging trends like mobility or cloud or uh, big data, right? And right. what we found was that most people are really overwhelmed by all those topics. They're complex they don't really fall in line with any uh, a traditional CEO, CFO's wheelhouse areas of you know maybe business or finance. So we said, how do we make these topics simple and relevant for your emerging entrepreneur, your CEO, and you know interesting for CMOs and CTOs? So we kind of try to find that perfect blend of technology, marketing, and business, where we help people better understand those topics in a fun sort of bantery conversation where we occasionally bring on uh, co-hosts and guests, but we're really, we pick topics and we say, for instance, last week, how do you contextualize big data to make it relevant to a small company? Right. And, you know, it's such a great topic because most people say we don't need big data. We can't do big data. But the truth is every company has an, has an application for big data. And that's whether it's about better customer retention metrics or it's, improving revenue generation or, you know, better employee engagement. All those things are possible, and it's possible for companies big and small. And that's the kind of topics that we're covering on our show. Right. You know, it seems a little intimidating to the average Main Street entrepreneur who's just starting a business of some kind or has perhaps bought a business or something like that. I mean, all of those things can be, as you mentioned, very overwhelming. To me, in many ways, they're very intimidating. And it's not unusual for for business owners of the baby boomer generation, my age and, you know, that arena, to look at those things and say, I've been successful for a long time. You know, we have a good brand. People know us. Uh, we don't need all of all of that technical and the analytics and the big data and all that. What I hear you saying is, is that's probably a mistake. Well, yeah, I think what I'm saying is that we need to eat the elephant a bite at a time, right? That's a great leadership sure. uh, cliche. But like anything with technology, it's not so much about technology. I, my favorite uh, 
little quip for that is, we, you know, we don't sell technology to solve technology problems. We sell technology to solve business problems. Right. And, you know, so what we need to do is put these back into a context that is useful for a business to say, okay, now I get this. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish. And sometimes we go off the rails and we get a little bit technical, but I think as a whole, our audience really appreciates the fact that we're, we're merging and making it simple enough for a technical topic to be understood by a business-minded professional. Great conversation, Daniel. Great insight. I really appreciate you taking your very busy schedule and carving out a little bit of time for us here in the business locker room. We've got about two minutes before the break. You've got a brand new book that's coming out. It's called Evolve, Marketing as We Know It, It is Doomed. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that book. When is it going to be available? Yeah, so that book should be available the end of January, and I'm I'm very excited about it. I co-wrote it with uh, a lovely lady by the name of Hesse Jones. She's an entrepreneur herself and runs a company called Our Company. Our Company, right? And Mm -hmm. she's a marketer and insights professional. And the book really was about highlighting the evolution of marketing over the last 20 years. It was really about a company that's trying to understand how marketing has changed and understanding some of the things we just talked about, topics like social and big data and privacy, but also saying, you know, why things that maybe we've done for a long time don't work, why new things do work, and what are like the new metrics and measurements that can help turn marketing from being sort of a cost center in an organization into a revenue center or a profit center for an organization. And in the world we live in now where almost everything is traceable and measurable, where attribution is entirely possible, why in the world are we still looking at marketing as something we need to guess about? So that book really covers that whole gambit there. And we've got some great co-contributors, um, some, some of the greatest minds in marketing, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll let that be a little bit of a surprise for, for you. But maybe when you have me back on, I'll, I'll supply you with a few copies you can give away to your audience. Oh, that'll that be, man, that'll be great. I'll tell you, we'll have people who will really be interested in that. Of course, it's a good segue into next week's show with T.A. McCann, Rival IQ. He'll join us and we'll talk about, I'm sure, some things that are very similar. Outstanding to hand you, have you, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find him on Twitter. Make sure you follow him at Daniel Newman UV. And you want to find MillennialCEO.com and add that podcast to your listening as well. Smack Talk Live, where they talk business, leadership, technology, innovation, marketing, and social business as well. He and Brian Fanzo do that. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a real treat to have you on board. We'll have you back uh, to talk about the new book. Good luck with that. Uh, great to have you. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you having me, Kelly, and I, and I look forward to listening to the rest of the show. Super deal. we got to take a time out. We need to pay some bills. We'll come back on the other side. We'll be joined by our weekly contributor, Mr. Miles Austin. We'll do the X's and O's segment, and we'll talk about uh, some brand-new web tools that you need to add to your arsenal. You're listening to BizLocker Radio on Voice America. I'm Kelly Riggs. Stay with us. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step-by-step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. 
Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in the business locker room. Hey, welcome back to the Business Locker Room. Great to have you on board. You heard Jeff Shore reintroducing the show as we rejoin. And I am excited to tell you about some of the coaches that are joining us here in the Business Locker Room. Miles Austin will join us in just a moment for the X's and O's segment. But before we do that, let me tell you a little bit about some of the evolution of the show and and the things that we've been doing. This is show number 38 and after the first of the year, I said we were going to be doing some things differently. One of those is we are now bizlockerradio.com, bizlockerradio here. And uh, the hashtag that we follow on Twitter is hashtag bizlockerradio. I want to encourage you to add that if it's uh, something, if you use Hootsuite or if you use some other uh, software to keep track of, of tweets and to keep track of content, that's the hashtag that we're going to use. But the, a bunch of the people that we've had on the show in the first 36 different episodes uh, are joining us as coaches here in the business locker room. And I'm sure you understand the connection, you know, coaching and locker room and those things. I'm excited about it because these are world-class people. I mean, these are people at the very top of their game and they are willing to join the locker room and provide uh, monthly content. And that's the whole idea is that each of these coaches are taking a part of their time and contributing a blog post that is content-rich, full of good ideas, full of things that you can use. It's We're, we're going to be short on fluff and long on ideas and content and things that you can use. Jeff Shore is one of those people. Uh, he wrote Be Bold and Win the Sale. I'm excited to join, uh, uh, invite him into the locker room as a coach uh, to be one of our experts. He'll be an expert on sales. John Spence will be one of the people in uh, the locker room as a coach as well. One of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world. And he wrote a fantastic book called Awesomely Simple. I'm really excited to have him on board as well. Stephen Gaffney, who's been on the show a couple of times, will be a semi-regular talking about communication. He is an expert in corporate communication, transparency and communications. He'll be a part of the business locker room coaching staff as well. And Randy Conley will also join us. Vice President, a trust practice leader for the Ken Blanchard Companies. Really excited to have his input on a regular basis. The content that we'll get from him will be invaluable. Just four of the people that will be joining us, and I'll tell you more about the others uh, in, in future shows as well. But you will see all of those things begin to come together in February as that content begins to uh, come out of the business locker room. Miles Austin, as he always does from fillthefunnel.com, he joins us 
for the X's and O's segment. The X's and O's segment brought to you by 4D Sales. Miles, how are you? I'm doing great, Kelly. How about you? Well, I'm doing fantastic. It has been a crazy, crazy, uh, what, uh, 12 days of the new years. We've made a lot of changes here in the business locker room. Uh, and one of those changes, by the way, coming uh, from 4D Sales, in, in a couple of weeks, you and I are going to go back and refeature 4dsales.com. They have made some fantastic changes to their product. And by the way, you were talking about that today, weren't you? Absolutely. We did a webinar this morning with uh, uh, some of the, the, the uh, smartest guys in the sales and training world. And um, you know, my topic was on some of the ways to use technology effectively to improve your sales results. And, and I used specifically 4D sales as an example of a tool that can have a dramatic impact on sales professionals. Yeah, perhaps you're listening in for the first time, and if you are, I would like to welcome you. Thanks for joining us. 4dsales.com. They are the sponsor of the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. It is a tablet-based, iPad-based sales tool. You can use it with iPad, with Apple, obviously, also with uh, Windows 8 uh, devices. But it is a tool to gather all of the information that you would use as a salesperson or someone representing the company where you sit down with a client and you have everything you need right at your fingertips. It organizes all of the tools that you need, whether it's a PDF, a web page, an audio segment, a video clip, all of the things that you would need, price lists and marketing collateral and on and on and on it goes. You know, you can get all of those things on your computer and you can keep it in various files and boxes and drop boxes and this and that, or you can use 4D sales. You can have it all right there in front of a customer. Two clicks and you're emailing them that, that important piece of information they need. They want to look at a live website. You've got that available. And now some really super new tools they've added to their uh, product, Miles. We're going to talk about those in a couple of weeks. This week, however, you've got something on tap for us from the TechSmith companies. Tell us a little bit about it. You bet, Kelly. I'm glad to do it. I, TechSmith is one of those companies that that I don't know about you, Kelly, but I just, some companies you just fall in love with. And TechSmith.com um, is one of those companies that I have been not just a customer of, but a huge fan of for many, many years. And the reason is they get it. They understand the value of happy customers. I can't tell you how many people I've sent their way over the years because their products are simple. They're very specific and focused of what they want to go do. And they just work great at a very fair price. They've been a great company to work with. And they've got a variety of products. I know we're going to talk about uh, Camtasia today, but they have a product called Jing, a, a product called Snagit, a product called Camtasia. What, what does Camtasia do, and, and why would the average business person have an interest? Well, you know what? It's probably right along the same path we've been talking about. Camtasia, if you just look at it, it's a way to record your screen and the activities on your computer screen in a video format. So that's the core, that's the premise of it, right? So as an example, I use it um, many times a week, I'd say probably eight to 10 times a week, just for the purpose when I'm online or I'm watching a webinar as an example like we did this morning, whether I'm a presenter or I'm just someone that wants to watch it, I will open up Camtasia and I'd record that entire event personally for my own benefit. Um, and I store all these things because sometimes I might have to take a phone call or I've got something else scheduled. And I'll be able to set it on record. I capture the entire event full screen if I choose in high def 
audio and video, and I can go back and I can listen to these later on. If you saw me later on in the evening, uh, one or two nights a week at a minimum, I'm in front of my laptop watching one of these recorded webinars from a day, a week, or sometimes a month ago. Wow. I I had no idea. I mean, as you began to describe that, I thought, well, why why would I use that? How would I have it? But, I mean, clearly I think a lot of people uh, do listen or, or get involved in webinars, and that's a great place to use it. I, I'm going to guess and say you're probably storing those if you keep them on, on Amazon S3. I mean, that's a wild guess on my part since that was one of the tools that you introduced me to. But outside of that, I mean, is, is there more to it than that? Are there other productive ways to use Camtasia? Absolutely. I can. I can't. I, I tell you, we won't cover them all today. But let me use another example. Let's say I'm in a customer support role for my company, and I've got a client that says, "Miles, I'm struggling with how do I do this, or where do I find how to do that." I can literally go on my screen, without any other internet or anything else involved. I can go on. I can go into my my software application. I can literally click, point, move around do everything I need to, sh- to be able to demonstrate to someone, to give them that visual impact of seeing what I do, where I went, what I clicked on, what happens next, etc., and save that in a little video file and email it to them or link it to them. If it's big enough, I'll put it up on Amazon and just give them a link for it. But from a customer service standpoint, sometimes the things we're trying to help a customer with are a little bit more complex than just a few words or typing in a sentence or two. And there's nothing more powerful than sending a link to a video that I just captured by showing what they want to do on the screen and let them watch it and replay it one or two or three times. Well, that's interesting. So what you're saying is is you can actually go through the process of whatever you're doing on the screen and record it and then send that to someone. They pull it up and they get to, it's almost like they're looking over your shoulder. I was just going to say, it's just very, very much the same as being able to put a camera or have them stand right behind you, look over your shoulder, and watch as you teach, you train, and you coordinate. So that's another one of the benefits. But let me tell you another one. This tool does a lot of things. I use it as my primary video editing and creation software. Okay. So we've talked about our iPhone and all the things we're doing with video over the last several weeks. Well, I get my little files, my MP4 files traditionally. I'll import them into Camtasia, and now I can cut out pieces. I can edit or uh, enhance the audio. I can quiet it down. I can make it longer. I can take out if there's noise in the middle. If I made a mistake, I want to edit it out. I can do all of that. I can add um, an intro and maybe some music at the front. I can add a soundtrack to the entire movie if I want. So I use it as a full-blown editor, uh, and very frankly, I've got the expensive stuff from the uh, the, the uh, folks over at Adobe. I don't know the last time I've used it because it's way more cumbersome, way much more uh, memory-intensive and hard disk-intensive, and I can just go into Camtasia and add a little intro, a little intro, a little uh, outro, add a little uh, music here and there throughout. I can enhance it. I can add text to the screen where it's appropriate. I can... Um, zoom in or zoom out on portions of the screen even though I've already recorded it previously and what a great way to teach to train and to communicate to people that you're trying to work with in whatever role it might be. 
Well, that's interesting because clearly iMovie from Apple doesn't allow you to screen capture, at least not to my knowledge. But everything else you, you, you talked about sort of reminds me of iMovie. So if I'm a listener and I'm out there saying, yeah, but Miles, I use iMovie for that. How, what do you say? I'd say keep using it. If it's working for you, keep using it. But I would tell you that the benefit is that iMovie um, works great for those people that are using it on those Apple devices. What's nice is Camtasia is available in a Windows environment or a Mac environment. I have it on my Mac. I have it on my PC. And I'll use an example. There's times when I can't decide between two webinars to watch or a training program to watch. I'll take my laptop uh, and maybe put it in the living room or the kitchen, and I'll set it to record that webinar while I'm downstairs in my office participating, leading, or just watching another webinar. Interesting. All right. So let's talk pricing. I mean, clearly I can get iMovie for free, but there's some things that Camtasia does that iMovie won't do. Uh, what are we talking about investment-wise in terms of Camtasia? Well, pull out your wallet, and I'm going to encourage you to spend the best $299 you will spend maybe forever in your business, internet, and computer life. Wow. I have literally had this program and done every update since, I don't know, maybe 10 years, I guess, I, maybe since it's been out. Um, and it was far and away the best $300 investment I ever made. No By kidding. the way, and one of the neat parts about this, and I mean this sincerely, you can download and get a free copy of any of these products from TechSmith, including Camtasia. You get a full-blown version, download it and use it for 30 days, no cost. And again, it's one of the examples of why I love these guys so much. They have complete confidence in their product. They say, download it, try it. If you like it at the end of the 30 days, you're going to need to buy it or it won't, be, won't work anymore for you. You can't get much better than that. No, you cannot get any better than that, frankly, unless it was free, and that's not going to happen. Miles Austin, he is, uh, he's the guru. He's the web tools guy. You can find him at fillthefunnel.com. If you're not following him on Twitter, I, I really don't understand why you're on the show. <laughs> at Miles Austin, it's that simple. But, man, the stuff on fillthefunnel.com is fantastic. And you've got a variety of things. I know you don't use this as a commercial, but you've got a variety of eBooks. You've got a variety of, of product offerings. We've talked about some of those here on the show. Uh, just great reading on your website, Miles. A lot of good content there. Thank you. I appreciate it, Kelly. We, we try to do it. It's, it's uh, a labor of love, very honestly. Well, folks, I know things about Miles uh, that I probably shouldn't share, but, I, but I'm going to anyway. He had a complete technical meltdown over the past weekend, and it's just nice. I was telling him, it's, it's just nice to know that the guys who specialize in this stuff every once in a while have the same problems that we do. <laughs> well, oh, man. It, it keeps I, you humble. It does it, remind you, though, how, how independent we think we are, but really how dependent we are on this technology and the importance of backups and paper copies. And I mean, I tell you, you're right. I, between converting to a new iPhone 6 Plus and a complete freeze of a system 10 minutes before and right in the middle of a, of a webinar presentation and a Macintosh that literally froze and shut down that happened to be my teleprompter today, um, it was a nightmare. And uh, I, somehow I survived, but I'll tell you what, Kelly, after we end today's show, I'm going to go out and probably sit somewhere and have a nice cool beverage. <laughs> Great stuff. Hey, folks, stay with us next week. We'll be back, and uh, we will talk about the balance of the things that TechSmith offers. We'll talk about Snagit. We'll talk about Jing. We'll tell you how you can use those tools to uh, support your business as well. But go find Camtasia. You can find it at Tech. 
T-E-C-H-TechSmith.com. That's going to do it for today's show. Many, many thanks to David Newman, our guest today. You can find him at MillennialCEO.com or BroadSuite.com. Follow him online as well. And, of course, Miles Austin, as always, in the X's and O's segment, please go visit his website, FillTheFunnel.com. Thanks to 40 Sales for making this segment a possibility. That's going to wrap it up for us this week. And we'll be back next week. T.A. McCann will join us. Special thanks to Michael Surgit, my engineer. He always makes us sound a lot better than I am. And Brandy Jackson, our executive producer. Visit us at BizLockerRadio.com. I'm Kelly Riggs. You're listening to BizLocker Radio. I'll see you next week on Voice America. Thanks for joining the Business Locker Room with your host, Kelly Riggs. Kelly will be back again next week for more business-building content and conversation for your playbook. Tune in Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of the Business Locker Room. Remember, business is a competition. Play to win. Play to win.